Oh, uh, hello, sir. Would you like to buy an airplane? Uh, no, no. Okay, okay. Oh, hey, ma'am. Ma'am, you look like you could use an airplane. Oh, you know, you can just keep walking. Hey, honey, how's work going? Oh, not too great, actually. I, I haven't made a sale all week. Well, hang in there. Maybe you could try selling something else. I, I mean, I'm an airplane engineer, and we got that garage that's still full of propellers. Ugh, these cars are everywhere. Wait a minute. Airplane engine. Car. I've got it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Points for Trying, the show where we celebrate ideas and inventions that didn't change the world, but will hopefully brighten your day. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jessica. Today, we'll be looking at the Helica, the airplane that gave up on its dreams of flying and settled for a job on the ground. So do you know the, the Mitch Hedberg joke about escalators? Oh, yeah. Like escalators can't break. They just become stairs. Sorry for the convenience. I do. I feel like that's this. Like, uh, this is like, well, you know, if an airplane can't fly, it's just a car. Snap the, snap the wings off. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Now we can go faster. Yeah. So that, that brings us to the Helica. It was designed and built by Marcel Layat, or however you pronounce French names. I can't. Who originally trained to design and build airplanes but had trouble finding work in the industry. So what's a young engineer to do when life gives him aeronautical lemons? You chop their wings off and make automotive lemonade. Layette went on to make a variety of propeller-powered car models, but they mostly followed the same basic design. A propeller in the front, mated directly to an airplane engine, and a lightweight aerodynamic body with rear axle steering. The first model was powered by an 18-horsepower engine and weighed around 550 pounds. So that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but I actually looked it up, and a Ford Model T had around 20 horsepower, so pretty much the same, but it weighed anywhere from 1,200 to 1,600 pounds. So it was more than twice as heavy for the same amount of horsepower. Feels like you could probably just pick this one up and push it along yourself. No need to get four or five friends to push it when it stops moving. You can just get out and go. Yeah, I mean, it is um, it is light enough and, and kind of looks like a go-kart. It, it really is kind of, you know, one of those old-timey airplanes, but with no wings and go-kart wheels strapped onto the sides of it. Right, and this picture that you have here even has the person in the front and the person in the back, just like the planes were doing at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. These are all like about the the size and shape of an airplane fuselage from, you know, 1910. Uh, the elephant in the room with this design really is that giant propeller right in front of the car that's, you know, near pedestrians, other cars, animals. But it makes sense. You see this sort of thing whenever you have new technology emerging. In the 50s, everything was about rockets, right? Yeah. Something was 
made to look like it was going to go to space because 50s and 60s we were in space races and at the time when this was being designed planes were the hot new thing and it would make sense that they would try to make everything reminiscent of a plane so you, what you're saying is this is basically the internet connected toaster of 1909 exactly does a car need to have a propeller on it no but propellers are cool does your toaster need to be able to google how long to cook your toast for no but internet school really needs to do one thing needs to heat bread right exactly so uh, you know a lot of what's written about the the helicar and these propeller powered cars uh focuses on how unsafe the propeller is to nearby people and pedestrians but i think another important aspect is this is going to be kicking rocks into your face all the time, especially on early 20th century roads. Yes, because one thing that they weren't was paved. <laughs> Some of the pictures even show people wearing those like airplane goggles because, yeah, you, you basically you're, you're flying in an airplane. And it's got to be, even if it's not got any rocks coming back at you, the amount of wind in your face, think about it. If you're going down a road on a motorcycle with no extra propellers throwing wind in your face, you're still going to want to protect your eyes from, from drying out. Yeah, I mean, with this propeller, the wind is going even faster than your car is. So like driving down the road at 30 miles an hour is going to feel like sticking your head out of the window on the highway. Exactly. And also, think about it this way, all of that lovely horse excrement that's on the road, that smell is just going to be coming at you that much faster. Oh, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, these coexisted with horse-drawn carriages. Exactly. Oh, shit. And in fact, there were more horse-drawn carriages on the roads at the turn of the century than you would have any sort of horseless carriage. This almost feels like it was a prank. Like you would want someone to try and drive this car just so they get horse shit flung in their face. <laughs> I kind of want to talk a little about the efficiency because the the claims are that, you know, this setup is more efficient uh, because it doesn't have a transmission because it's just an engine mated directly to a shaft that spins the propeller. But the in inefficiency of a propeller, it, it seems like that would outdo any gains you'd get by not having a transmission. I hadn't thought of that. What I will say is, conceptually, it does make sense that one would think that this would be a better option because yeah. the fewer parts that you need, the lighter it is, the faster you can go. Yeah, these actually had fairly high top speeds for cars at the time. Um likely because it had so much horsepower relative to its weight. Uh, I don't know how much the propeller was really doing, but uh, th that is a, a, a pro of these cars. Uh, one car actually reached 106 miles an hour top speed in 1927. And if that doesn't scare the shit out of you, I don't know what would. That is insane. Think about how many people were still walking everywhere 
or they would take a trolley to one location and then get off and walk. The amount of pedestrians on the road, it's no wonder that they talked so much about it being a risk of pedestrians being shredded. Just for comparison, the Model T had a top speed of 40 to 45 miles per hour. Holy crap. So yeah, this thing really went fast, but it went fast in a straight line because if you notice, the propeller can't actually change any direction. So all the steering is through the back wheels. Rear wheel cars are never a good option. And a rear wheel propellered car seems like a very bad choice. The, the steering mechanisms were basically taken from airplanes as well. And the, the rear tires, which do all the steering, are the skinniest tires I've ever seen on a car. What you really need in order to have good steering is when you transition your weight, which, by the way, it did not have much weight to transition, but when you transition the weight on the wheel, you'll smush down one side and create more traction on the other side. So you're actually manipulating the amount of traction from the wheel, which is why when you are off-roading, for instance, you take some air out of your tires because then you have more surface area for that traction. But these wheels that I'm looking at, they are so small that that would not have been much of an option for them. There probably was not much movement or surface area. Well, there definitely wasn't much surface area. So that would actually make it more difficult to steer because you don't have that, that traction to gain. Yeah, one of the you know supposed uh, benefits to, to having the propeller is you don't need to rely on grip between the wheels and the road, which is, again, true when you're going in a straight line. But as soon as you need to turn, you need that grip between the wheels and the road to, you know, turn. Uh, and these bicycle tires look like they're going to give you basically none of it. Do you know how many accidents were had in the attempt to make a, a turn? I don't. They, they never really made all that many of these. So, you know, in, in pure numbers, it might have been a fairly safe car simply because, you know, there were only 10 or 20 of them. Ah, uh, yes. The old... If we don't test how many people have cases of COVID, you won't know how many, you won't have high numbers of COVID. <laughs> oh, like, you know, what, what are the odds? I, I'm also guessing that anyone that saw this and let's be honest, heard this uh, coming down the road would just get the fuck out of there. It probably scared a fair number of horse-drawn carriages. The horses probably mm. got all scared, but Maybe no more than a Model T scared the horses. Model Ts were very loud. Yeah, I think this was a lot louder, it being a, a an airplane engine but and, and the propeller. Uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but the propeller is completely unprotected. Like there, Some of the models have a shroud uh, um, around them, and some of them have a cage. Uh, but in almost every example, if you were standing in front of this, it would just suck you right into it and mince you. That's terrifying. I like those pictures that you have of the, the ones that have what are those skis. <laughs> yeah, so there have been uh, other examples of uh, propeller-powered cars, uh, and some of them have been used for snow, uh, you know, because the, the advantage of 
uh, the propeller is you don't need uh, traction on the ground, uh, a natural fit for this would be running on snow or ice where you, you don't have a whole lot of traction. So it, that actually might make a little sense. In, in, that, in that case, it's kind of like an airboat. And the benefit of having these cars that have the propeller on the back, and in the case of pontoon boats, the propeller is behind the vehicle. So no matter what it kicks up, it's not kicking it into the face of the driver who's supposed to look ahead and steer. Yeah, yeah. Definitely you want it behind you. Good luck anyone behind you, but hey. So I'm thinking, you know, this this idea of like the, the vehicle, uh, the air-powered vehicle on the snow is basically a land version of an airboat. I wonder if anybody's tried driving an airboat on ice. I'm sure. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, they have. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, man, Go- YouTube... YouTube airboat on ice because, oh, they totally do that. And it's great. That is fantastic. Yeah, that works perfect. But if you see, they did get smart and those have cages around them. Much safer. You can't accidentally get sucked in even if you trip and fall. Yeah, there, there's there's two big improvements. One, uh, the, the cage around the, uh, the propeller. And two, the... Um, flaps in the back that can actually direct the air uh, so you can actually use the propeller to help you steer. That's actually quite ingenious. Rather than trying to move the entire propeller and have the entire contraption move left and right to help you steer, just using the rudder or flaps. Oh yeah, this looks really fun. Well, I guess Canada. We're going up to Canada. Yeah, so um, if any listeners want to weigh in if you have been in an airboat, write in. And if you've ever taken an airboat on the ice, definitely write it. Because I want to know about it. And I want you to take me with you the next time you do it. We need to be friends. <laughs> Fucking rad. And a benefit to that, no pedestrians that you could accidentally suck up. I mean, penguins maybe? Nah, it's Canada. They don't have penguins. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about a different propeller-powered vehicle. Today's episode of Points for Trying is brought to you by the Mr. Fusion Home Energy Reactor. Fusion Industries is the world leader in providing safe, reliable, and sustainable energy right where you need it. Our newest model, Mr. Fusion, gives you 1.21 gigawatts of power from any organic matter that fits into the fuel chamber. Thanks to the proprietary thermonuclear technology, it's compact and lightweight enough to fit into a car, completely eliminating those pesky gas station visits. Use offer code McFly when you check out for free shipping and installation. Note, only compatible with cars from the DeLorean Motor Company. Cannot be exported to Iran. In case of a crash, evacuate the area and notify the Nuclear Regulatory Agency immediately. We've discussed why putting a propeller on a car is a bad idea. But what if you want to put a propeller on a train? In 1930, the German Imperial Railway Company did just that with their engine prototype called the Scheinenzeppelin, German for rail zeppelin. Rather than the propeller first design of the Helica, the Scheinenzeppelin was more of a railway mullet, business in the front, 
party in the back. In this case, the business was a lightweight, streamlined aluminum body, and the party was a V-12 airplane engine fitted to a completely exposed two-blade propeller. Compared to the other rail vehicles of the time, it was both light and fast. In 1931, it set a railway speed record of 143 miles per hour. This record wasn't broken until 1954, and even today, the Shining Zeppelin is the fastest gasoline-powered rail vehicle. Yeah, it's the fastest gasoline-powered rail vehicle, because gasoline-powered rail vehicles aren't all that common and haven't been made in a very long time. So, like, yeah, it's probably going to hold that record for a while. Yes, it's kind of like saying that Egypt still has the world record for the tallest pyramid. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Like we're not making pyramids anymore. Like they had they had the tallest one a while back. They're still going to have the tallest one. They had a heyday and now it's over. Yeah. As fast as it was, it had some difficulties with things like pulling train cars, climbing steep hills, and backing up, also known as normal train stuff. I really like when my trains can pull the train cars. Given these disadvantages and facing competition from other high-speed trains, the prototype was converted to a traditional wheel-driven design. Shortly after this, it was retired completely, and then later dismantled for scrap. And since this was Germany in the 1930s, we're not going to ask where that scrap went. (laughs) Aluminum was scarce, and yeah. Although the actual Scheinen Zeppelin wasn't long for this world, it has been immortalized in the children's TV show Thomas the Tank Engine as the character Hugo. Yeah, it, it looks just like the, uh, let me get, get it right, Scheinen Zeppelin. Uh, he's got the propeller and everything, and there's actually even a shot of him like with a blimp in the distance. or well, A Zeppelin. With a Zeppelin in the distance. That's so cool. I love the quote, uh, shout out to uh, fandom.com for their Thomas the Tank Engine page. Hugo is a kind and gentle engine. He loves to be useful, but is also a bit sensitive. This was shown when his feelings were hurt by the other engines ostracizing him out of fear that his kind would replace them. But they soon saw that they were wrong and apologized to him. Oh, no. I don't even know how to feel about this because, oh, he was ostracized because they were afraid that he was going to replace them. And then when he realized that he was not going to be long for this world, then they apologized to him. It's like apologizing to someone on their deathbed. That is terrible. (laughs) No, I kind of saw it as like, you know, they thought that they would be replaced by him. And then they realized that he's a terrible train. And they're like, oh, you're not coming for our jobs. I lo- we like you. <laughs> like, they, they had fear that his kind would replace them and then saw that they were wrong. Like, all the other trains were like, this guy's a piece of shit. We don't have anything to worry about. That's like when you have someone flirting with your significant other and then you see them and you're like, oh, yeah, no, never mind. I have nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on. Yeah, so I... I kind of like the train idea better than the car idea, mostly because, you know, it kind of plays to its strengths. The propeller is best for accelerating in a straight line. And, well, trains don't really need to steer. So you, you, you get that problem out of the way. 
and you want your trains to go as fast as possible. Even today, we're looking at bullet trains and trying to see what makes sense. Although, not America. I don't think we'll ever see bullet trains here in America. No, a, a Japanese company actually opened up an office in Baltimore,、uh, and their idea was to make a maglev train running between Baltimore and DC.、Uh, this was years ago, and I don't think any progress has been made on it. And for those of you who don't know, maglev is magnetic levitation, where the magnets. Push the train ever so slightly up off the rails, so you don't have that friction slowing the train down. And for those of you that don't know, Baltimore is the largest city in Maryland, and Washington D.C. is about an hour south of it,、uh, and the capital of the United States. And depending on when you're listening to this episode, the United States was a country. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should talk a little bit about、uh, what the、uh, Shining Zeppelin looks like, because、uh, it is. I, I gotta say that the Shining Zeppelin looks really cool. It, it's it almost looks like they they literally cut the wings off of a commercial airliner. It's got the rounded nose,、uh, and then it's you know a big tube with a propeller in the back, and the end kind of、uh, slopes down to a point, all、uh, teardrop style. I know this is a little early for this, but it still feels that they were going for rocket shaped. To me, it looks like a rocket on its side. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that.、Uh, th- this was the era of、um, streamlined locomotives. Uh, streamlined everything, so that it definitely kind of calls back to that. Everything should be aerodynamic, and that was part of the reason why it had a high top speed.、Uh, it's lightweight, it's streamlined, and you know the propeller is most efficient、uh, when it's traveling fast. So you know, if you have a propeller-powered、uh, vehicle, it's going to be most efficient when it's moving at about the same speed as the air around it. One challenge with that. Would be any time that you would use this in the winter time. I was in Germany once in the early 2000s, and on a train we hit a snowbank because the snow had drifted across the train tracks. Everything came to a dead stop. With this, I don't believe it would have the structural fortitude to be able to handle slamming into a drifting snowbank. At top speeds, yeah, I don't know.、Um, probably not. Fun story: Everybody who continues to go forward will continue to go forward until they hit the other side of the wall. <laughs> Same with our luggage. So it was a mash of people and luggage, and there were injuries. It was fun. Good lord! <laughs> One thing that they they didn't improve upon was that propeller is still. Just right out in the open, completely unguarded. There's a photo of it pulled up at a train station. I really want to draw people's attention to、uh, the. There's, you know, this is a, a crowded platform right next to the train, and this big ass propeller is probably a foot or so from somebody's groin. <laughs> like it looks like it would just miss if it were actually spinning around, but like. Holy crap! That is a little terrifying. 
we we talked about the uh, propeller car kicking up rocks and, and bits and whatever's on the road. And you probably know what's on the bed of a railroad tracks underneath the ties. Oh, I know. Rocks. <laughs> yep. Little rocks that could probably be kicked up. And let's be honest, uh, whatever garbage people throw on there. They just don't care about Mother Earth. If you've ever ridden the New York City subway, good Lord, th- this thing would just be a-, a trash tornado every time it came into the station. That sounds terrifying, by the way. <laughs> so I got to ask, what potential improvements could they do? Okay, well, one, I was going to mention this before I realized that people that own airboats are just doing this for fun whenever their lakes freeze over. But I think this idea would work well for a, for a snowmobile-type vehicle, you know, somewhere where tires don't work because they can't get enough grip on the ground. I will say this. The propeller, it does feel like it should go on the back of the car, similar to the Shinen Zeppelin. But I wonder how much airflow gets disrupted by having the body of the car ahead of the propeller. One other thing that they could do to improve it, besides putting a cage around so you don't accidentally chop people up into little bits, is to have it movable. If you can't move it, then using those flaps like we saw on the airboat would be beneficial to help steer the car. Because as we've discussed, yes, it goes forward, very well, but it doesn't steer well. So if you could put it on the back with a cage and either make the entire propeller movable or have those little flaps, that that would probably help as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want it directly behind the car because, you know, it would disrupt the airflow. You want, you know, clean, uninterrupted airflow coming into the propeller. Um, And that is a good point that it should be steerable. You know, you'd want it to rotate a little for when you're taking corners. So what if it was basically like the engine pod from a, from a commercial airliner, but just like mounted right to the roof? It's out of the way. You can make it like swivel and it, it's got, you know, uninterrupted airflow. Um, I guess just don't go under a bridge. Now it's just a helicopter. It would, it would point backwards though. So it would still like allow you to accelerate on the ground. Maybe just having a long tail, kind of like, kind of like Gru's car in Despicable Me, how it kind of is really big in the front, and then it comes down to this really tiny point, and then it has a propeller in the back. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's kind of like a teardrop, and as the car gets narrower, there's space to fit a propeller. Exactly. I guess if you were going to put it on a train, what I'm thinking is it would make most sense uh, when it's getting up to speed. Metal on metal traction of a of a train wheel doesn't have a, a whole lot of friction. You know, tra- trains are designed to have very low rolling resistance and friction on the tracks, which can give them pretty slow acceleration. So maybe uh, this would be an engine that you wouldn't turn on all of the time. But once it leaves the station, kicks on the propeller, kicks on a jet engine or something, helps it accelerate to cruising speed, then it turns off and it's a regular train. I think that would be the only way to improve it for the for the Shining Zeppelin. I will say that I feel wherever you would put a propeller, nine times out of ten in the year 2020, you would just put a jet engine versus an actual propeller. 
Yeah, yeah. If if we're if we're bringing this design into the 21st century, it's going to be a jet or a rocket or a, or a compressed gas thruster or something like that. But the the idea of you know using some sort of of jet thruster, yeah, all right, yeah, it might work. Well, Brandon, what do you think? Does it get points for trying? So the Helica gets one point right away for uh, Mr. Layot's persistence in making airplanes. He couldn't get a job making airplanes, so he just made airplanes a lot like cars. Personally, I identify with him because I have studied aerospace engineering in college, and I currently do not work in the aerospace industry. And if I could just uh, make my job as airplane related as I could, I-, I would totally just you know try and cram a jet engine somewhere it didn't need to go. Uh, and I think it gets another point for actually being street legal in France. Uh, some of these surviving examples can actually be driven on French roads today. It is the most French thing ever. The uh, Shine and Zeppelin. Sheen and Zeppelin, Shine and Zeppelin. Maybe we'll never know. It gets points for its awesome name because Rail Zeppelin, that's just, that's just fun. And it also gets one point for just how cool and retro futuristic it looks. I, I, I'm a sucker for that streamlined design. I just think they look amazing. I know it didn't work, but cool looking train. Okay, well, I think that the Helica gets points for having a pronounceable name. <laughs> and also, I believe it gets points for their use of plywood. It's not often that you have a plywood automobile. And they really made the lightest weight automobile that you ever possibly could have at the time, while still keeping you protected from the elements. If we could take away points, which we're not going to, but I would say would lose points for kicking stones and horse poop right into your face. That would kind of steer me away from it. As far as the Shining and Zeppelin is concerned, I say that it gets a point for its sheer staying power because while we don't have Shining and Zeppelins anymore, we do have Hugo. We will always remember Hugo. Hugo, you're in our hearts. I will say the other thing that a Shining Zeppelin gets points for is having the propeller on the back instead of the front. And I think it also gets another point because most railways are primarily straight. So the inability to have the control while you're turning, A, is not as big of a deal on the rail just because of the way the rails are shaped and Going straight is beneficial and easier to do on the railway, and turning is not as much of an issue. All right, so the final tally is the Helica propeller-powered car gets four points for trying, and the Shining Zeppelin, uh, Zeppelin on rails, gets five points. Shining Zeppelins win. And that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for listening. And remember, if at first you don't succeed, Tell us about it.